8. It will be on the screen, but I encourage you to find the place in your Bibles. You know, one of the things that I enjoy is watching moms and dads hold the Bible and the hymn books with their children, and uh, I encourage you to do that. If you do not have a Bible, the Bible that is there in the pew in front of you, you are welcome to take that as a gift from us. If you need a Bible in your home and do not have one, you are welcome to take that with you. Revelation chapter 8, and we will read verse 6 through verse 13. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And they were thrown upon the, these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became wormwood or poison, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe! Woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. At the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Again, may the Lord add his richest blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Revelation chapter 1 reminds us that reading, there's a special blessing to those who read and to those who heed the reading of the book of Revelation. In fact, it's the only book that actually has a specific blessing to those who read and who hear the book of Revelation. This is why we will read through every verse of the book of Revelation as we continue through our series. Throughout history, trumpets have been used as a means to call soldiers to battle. In this future prophetic scene, the seven angels, these ferocious messengers of the Most High God, are called by God to do battle against the world. Now, throughout the Old Testament particularly, God has used the sound of trumpets to herald that the battle lines have been drawn and judgment has come. These are not silent blasts, and I believe that the entire world will hear these trumpet blasts being given. Now, I'm often reminded, and there was an event that took place some years ago, and I remember my parents talking about it, and I'm not sure whether they were actually to this day actually in, uh, uh, in the auditorium when this took place, but several pastors had been pranked when they are talking about the last trump or the last trumpet that will blow, and normally there's a guy in the baptistry with a trumpet that actually decides to let loose. Well, we're not going to do that to you today, and I hope nobody is back here waiting with a trumpet 
But these trumpets that we are looking at in the book of Revelation, they bring a sense of judgment. There should be a solemnity as we consider what is about to take place on the earth as we read this future event. Now, just as within the Old Testament, there are many words that are used and there are similes that are used and you find the word use of the word like or it is similar to this or it possibly looks like this. One of the reasons why I believe that we have to be careful with the book of Revelation is because you do find this word used quite often. We don't know exactly what some of these things look like. We do not know how some of these things are actually going to shake out in the end times. So we have to be careful that what we actually speak about actually is what is going to take place. What we know for certain. For example, we talk about the end times. We talk about this whole series and Revelation really is about eschatology. It's, that's simply a long theological term that means the study of the end times. But there are some things that we just cannot know. We cannot know the timing of certain events. But we do know for sure that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return. We do know for certain that just as the angels standing on the, the, the mount outside of Jerusalem saw these disciples as they are looking at Jesus ascending into heaven, and they said this, this same Jesus, not a different one, the same Jesus is going to return just as he left. Visibly, physically, bodily, he is going to return to this earth. He will establish his kingdom forever. We look forward to that day. But there are some events that take place in Revelation that we can second guess all day long and still not come to a conclusion. Or there are some maybe who have, who you can read a number of commentaries and they're going to disagree on different facets of the book of Revelation. Who's right? And who's wrong? Well, I believe that probably, in, just as with every commentary, there are some things that we are just never going to know until it is fully revealed in heaven. And when we get to heaven, some of the things that we thought were important really aren't going to be important anymore because we actually are going to get to see the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of the stuff that we may have argued or disagreed on, that stuff's not even going to matter anymore. But as we go through this particular section on the four trumpets, I would encourage you, number one, to listen to what we believe Scripture is saying in regards to what is going to take place on earth. But more importantly, for the Christians, don't be afraid. John chapter 14, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to his disciples. He's coming to the end of his ministry and he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, he is speaking of a future event. There are many rooms, there, there are many places that are there. It's not up to us to determine who will and who won't be saved. We are simply called upon to share the gospel message. And it is good news because it saves people from their sins. It restores that relationship between God and man through Jesus Christ. We see trumpets, to use a few Old Testament examples. We see trumpets that were used when Israel enters the land for their first battle to take over the promised land. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 20. So the people shouted. The trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. 
Now, I'm going to test your Sunday school memories here this morning, okay? How many times did the children of Israel go around Jericho? Okay, does everybody agree with seven? No, somebody else has a different number? Thirteen. Thirteen. They actually went around every single day for the first six days. They went around one time and they marched silently. But God then said on the seventh day, they were actually to march around silently for six more times. And on the seventh time, they were to blow the trumpets and they were to shout, for God had given them the city. So they actually marched around 13 times. It might be on the next trivia night that we have here. (laughs) But that is found in Joshua chapter 6. We move forward to Judges. And of course, the theme of Judges is every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So what happened in this account? I was speaking with Brother Al about Gideon. I think sometimes Gideon is given a, a, a little bit of a, uh, maybe a bad name. He was actually threshing wheat during the time when the Philistines were actually going, or the Midianites were going, and they were killing people for doing just this. And yet Gideon is hiding in the wine press. And then God calls Gideon and he says, I want you to lead the children of Israel into freedom again, out of slavery. And so, of course, you know the story. Well, maybe you don't know the story. But Gideon, is called, he calls all of the men together. And there's something like 32,000 men who are there. And, he, and God says to him, there's just way too many. Now, we're getting ready to go up against the Midianites. The Bible doesn't tell us how many people were there. It simply says that they were like grasshoppers over the land. And so Gideon's probably thinking, how about we round up a few more people? And God says, no, you've got too many. So ask everybody who is afraid to go home. And 22,000 people turn around and go home. Now, if you were Gideon, do you think you might be a little concerned at this point? I would be. So then God says, well, what I want you to do is I want you to take all these men and take them down to the river and I want them to get a drink of water. And everybody that laps like a dog, putting their face down so that they are not observant about what's going on them, around them, you're going to send them home. Now, I'd probably be hoping that only one or two drink like that. And everybody else actually picks up the water in their hand and tilts it to their mouth so that they're watching what's going on. Well, you know the story. All but 300 men get sent home. And as... Gideon takes these 300 men and he separates them into groups of three and there's a hundred on the top of this hill and a hundred on the top of this hill and a hundred on the top of this hill. They're given trumpets and a lantern and they are simply commanded, break the pitcher, break the, the, the container that the lamp is in and let the light shine and then blow the trumpet. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And what we find is that God does a miraculous work and he saves his people. Not through the hand of Gideon actually picking up a sword, but because God is simply God and it is time for judgment. Psalm 47 verse 5. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. 
Zechariah chapter 9, a, 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 a beautiful book that deals with the future events. But in chapter 9 and verse 14, we read, Then the Lord will appear over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will sound the trumpet and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. This is not an isolated event that is taking place in the book of Revelation. This is something that has been prophesied for several thousand years. Now there are some who may say, well, where's the promise of his coming? I mean, after all, we've been waiting for a long time. I can remember being the ages of some of these young people and, and sitting in church and we used to have we used to have New Year's Eve services where everybody would come together and we would sit there in the service and, and we would try to stay awake while we were waiting for the new year to show up. Maybe the Lord Jesus Christ will return before the new year starts. And I used to live in dread, wondering if the Lord was going to come before 12 p.m. midnight. I wondered if we would hear the sound of the trumpet. And what I had to realize as I got older and as I came to the faith point where I placed my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I realized that we as believers do not have to fear the sound of the trumpet. Because the trumpet, when the judgment comes, will not be for us. It will be against those who have rejected Jesus Christ. So we come to verse 6. Preparing the way of the Lord. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. Now before these angels, and when we talk about angels, we're not talking about the cute little cherub that adorns Valentine's Day cards. We are talking about massive, ferocious messengers, one of whom, if you remember, and I mentioned this last week, one of them was sent by God to kill 185,000 enemy soldiers in one night. So these are not cute little cherubs. These are, are messengers who are created by God for one purpose, and that is to surround the throne singing praises to God. But every now and then throughout Scripture, we find God sending one of these angels to give a very important message to the world. Do you remember what happened in Luke chapter 2? One angel was sent down to be able to announce to the world that the Savior was born this night. And then all of a sudden the entire skies are filled with a multitude of the heavenly hosts singing praises to God. Before they give the blast on their trumpets, each one of these individually, they have to prepare to do so. The word here that is actually used is a preparation that takes place over time. In other words, these angels, I believe, already are being prepared for the day when they will blow these trumpets. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul gives a word of warning to the church at Thessalonica, and he says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Again, another reference to God using a trumpet or a messenger that is being used to herald some great event. The word to prepare here is a metaphor and it is used in two ways. First of all, it is referred to or it referred to the oriental custom of sending messengers on before the way of the king on their journeys in order to level the road and to make them passable. 
You see, there was a time when kings went forth to battle and they, were requ they would require their people to go ahead of them to make sure that all the rocks, all the potential obstacles would be out of the way. This is what we see in the preparation of the Lord Jesus Christ who is getting ready to return to earth. These messengers are clearing the path. Further, it is to prepare the minds of men to give the Messiah a fit reception and to secure his blessings. And yet, throughout the remainder of Revelation, the hatred of the world only increases as the world realizes over and over and over again that he cannot be defeated. Friends, I, those who are believers this morning, I, I want to encourage you with something. You cannot argue anybody to salvation. You can share the gospel. You can share the truth. You can share the events of what is to take place, but only the Holy Spirit can change a heart. Yeah. Only the Holy Spirit can change a life. We can pray for individuals. We can seek to love them to the Lord Jesus Christ. But until a person comes on their own through the work of the Holy Spirit and recognizes their need of a Savior, you are only seeking to convince them against their will. The will and the heart of man is totally opposed and depraved and stands against God Almighty. Just like you and I did before we came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the actions of these celestial messengers, they have been waiting for this day to level the way to his earthly kingdom. One commentator noted this. The common feature of the first four trumpets is that the judgments underneath them affect the natural objects of this world. The accessories of life, the earth, trees, grass, the sea, the rivers, the fountains, the light of the sun, moon, and stars. But the last three, truly does John use the word woe. For the woe trumpets, the last three, five, six, and seven, affect men's lives with pain, death, and hell on earth. Preparing the way of the Lord. That brings us in quick succession to four trumpets. Now with each one of these trumpets, again, we are not going to try to speculate here, but I believe that these four trump trumpets probably happen from the reading and the phrasing and it, as it is in the Greek language. I believe that these four trumpets probably take place in quick succession. Now whether that's over the period of a week or a month or over a year, we don't know. But there's not going to be another 2,000 years of, earth, of church history or earth's history in order for these trumpets to take place. These are going to follow one right after the other. So the first trumpet, and again verse 7, the first angel blew his trumpet. And here's what follows. Hail and fire mixed with blood. This first angel, when he blows, this actually is going to destroy a third of the earth and the trees and it will destroy all green grass. Now, for those of you who drove here this morning, you actually looked outside, you noticed that the grass is really green. Brother Doug actually prayed about that this morning, thanking the Lord that we see green grass. That doesn't happen as often as those maybe of you who've gone back east or gone to some other part of the world where everything is truly, really, really super green. 
And you might ask the question, because we're actually going to deal with it later on in one of the bold judgments, but we find that the grass is destroyed again. Well, we live in a world of seasons, whereas it is almost summer here. What is it, for example, in the Southern Hemisphere? Winter. Okay? So we're talking about all the grass, just like in the plagues. A lot of these things that we find here, five of these plagues that we find, are actually a duplication of what took place in Egypt when God rained fire and judgment down on the Egyptians for refusing to allow the children of Israel to go. But this is going to be in a much greater scale. This is not just going to be one country. This is going to be affecting every person in the world. One biblical archaeology and science website noted this. 80% of the land animals and plants live in the forests and without trees, most of them will die. Trees also keep the ground wet and cool and help to drive the water cycle. A large tree can push 150 tons of water into the atmosphere every single year, which then falls back on the forest as rain. With no trees, the land will heat up and dry out and the dead wood will inevitably result in enormous wildfires. This will fill the sky with soot that blocks out the sun, causing failed harvests for several years and leading to worldwide famine. Now, how do we sum that up in this day and age? Some people might say, well, obviously global warming. Well, global warming is simply an opportunity to be able to, again, avoid God and how he directs deals directly with his creation. Have we as human beings and mankind, have we violated the standards that God set back in the garden? Absolutely. Is there such a thing as global warming? Well, I believe it goes up and down. Those cycles have been seen. We're covering some of that in, in the book of Genesis as Brother Al is dealing with creation. Romans chapter 8 makes it very clear that even creation, though, groans to be released from the bands of sin that circle this earth. And the things that we find, the tragedies, the, the, the earthquakes, the tornadoes, all of those things that take place in this world, they are here because of sin. And one day there will be no more sin. We will live in a new heaven and a new earth. We will live in perfection. But in the meantime, God is cleansing this earth from everything that does not bring honor and glory to him. The second trumpet, verses 8 through 9. The second angel blew his trumpet, something like a great mountain. Again, there's that word like. doesn't say that it's a great mountain, but that it is a like one. Burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. I cannot even remotely begin to paint a picture for you of what I see in my mind of what this is going to look like. But know this, when judgment comes from God, he will no longer be holding back his wrath. That should scare you more than pictures like this scare you. Because this really doesn't do justice to what I believe this world is going to experience. 
God will effectively destroy with this particular uh, judgment, just like he did in the land of Egypt. God will effectively destroy all commerce on land and sea with just these first two judgments. Now, we, we have it pretty good here in America. I mean, we've got everything we need. We've got gas. We've got food. We've got houses. We enjoy all the comforts that we have in life, unlike a lot of people who live around this world. And yet when this judgment comes, it is going to be a reminder that man is not in control. You know, the government right now is talking about the debt ceiling. I can remember not too many years ago where we were $16 trillion in debt and we thought that was a big amount of money. And now we're up to 31. Let me tell you something. It's not going to get any better. It doesn't matter how long you and I live. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you like. When it comes to politics, the reason that we're in the mess that we are in is because our nation, our government has forgotten God a long time ago. And any time a government official decides that they are more important or their wisdom is more important or that their wisdom is not based on biblical principles, you're going to have the continuing problems that we see today. I would like for this world to get better on one hand. I would like to see peace. But at the same time, we know that those things won't take place until the Prince of Peace comes. And then we will be able to rejoice for all of eternity. That's what I want to encourage you for. That's what I want you to look forward to in your heart and in your mind. When things go bad, when you get up in the morning, you walk outside, you've got a flat tire, praise God. If you hear some bad news from the doctor this week, still give praise to God. He's still in control. If you can't pay your finances or, or your bills or things are a struggle or you're struggling spiritually, I talked with some of you this morning and some of you are struggling in various areas within your life, praise God. As the song, the, the beautiful hymn that we sang, Behold our God. He's seated on His throne. He will not give up His sovereignty to anybody else. like a burning mountain, more than likely, John is probably seeing an asteroid or something similar to an asteroid hitting the earth. Listen to this. An asteroid a mile wide hitting the earth at 30,000 miles per hour would produce 10 to 50 million times the energy of the atom bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima during World War II. It would flatten everything for 100 to 200 miles out from ground zero. Whatever this event is, it is truly going to be cataclysmic. In fact, throughout this period of the trumpets alone, the Bible says that over half of the world will actually be dead by the end of these trumpets. Now, we are approximately 8 billion people in the world. That means that there's going to be 4 billion people. If you think about the destruction, there's going to be open graves. There's going to be cities that are just reeking with the putrid and the decay that comes from death. And through all of this, the world is still not going to want to see Jesus. That's what amazes me. That baffles me that God can send all of these judgments and they are still going to thumb their noses at God and say, God, we will not have you as our king. 
The second trumpet will destroy a third of the sea. This section is often debated because he speaks of the sea, not of all oceans or seas. We're not sure whether he is actually referencing all of them here or not. But if the entire saltwater system is meant, it will be totally unrecoverable. Is there any wonder why when we get to 2 Peter chapter 3, we find God creating a new heaven and a new earth? None of this is going to be recognizable anymore. But even if John does mean or does just speak of this event taking place in the Mediterranean Sea, the destruction would cover an area larger than the state of Texas. That's a pretty big event. Now we live in a world where if, you, if we send somebody like they're talking about to circle the moon next year, whether you believe it or not, whether you believe in a flat earth, earth theory or whatever it is that you believe, if we actually send astronauts to go up into the skies and they actually circle the moon and supposedly by 2025 we're going to have more people who are standing on the moon. Now, whether that takes place or not, the entire world within just a short period of time is actually going to know of that event because you've got a cell phone, there are TVs, all kinds of media that is going to be available. It's going to take this. They, they say that within, with a major event taking place here on the earth or any time a major event takes place, 95% of the world's population knows about it within 30 minutes or less. This will not be something that is hidden. It destroys a third of all sea creatures and a third of all shipping. I believe that God's judgment will be against all mankind. And it is more than likely that this event, this asteroid, this great mountain, something similar to a great mountain that comes, will bring tsunamis which will destroy. If you remember what took place in Southeast Asia, for example, I mean, one little earthquake registered a tsunami in which a quarter of a million people died within less than 30 seconds. It will destroy all economic and oceanic travel and commerce. The third trumpet, verses 10 and 11. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. And he speaks about wormwood here. Somebody noted this, if drinking water is unavailable to one-third of the world's population, it is easy to see how chaos and terror will result. Again, one-third of the population will die just from this one trumpet. Humans can only survive for about three days without any water. And the inhabitants of the affected areas will be so desperate they will actually drink the poison water causing the death of a third of the world. Again, are you more concerned about the judgment or are you more concerned about God? You, you see, I, I was just reading this last week. In fact, yesterday I was reading as part of my devotions. I was reading the account of Lazarus and the rich man. And do you remember what the rich man said? Oh, if only somebody will go to my father's house and tell my brother's so that they don't have to come to this place. They will surely listen to them. And Abraham says, no. Even if somebody came back from the dead, it was a reference to the coming death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
they won't even believe him. My friends, we've we've we're two thousand years of earth of church history. And there are still millions of people, billions of people, who have not even heard the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many around the world who have heard the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and still think they can get to heaven on their own strength or by their own good works or because they joined a church or because they were sprinkled or baptized as a baby or as an infant. This star falls from the heavens and I don't believe this name Wormwood. Again, there are a lot of people that you can hear online and I believe that some of them are sincere but I believe that they are sincerely wrong. I don't believe that we can second guess that there's some asteroid called Wormwood that is some government conspiracy that is actually going to take place here, okay? But when this star falls, the results of this star hitting the earth will make all the fresh water become poison, or a third of it. Many people will be killed from this water. Another commentator noted this, the U.S. Geological Survey reports 30 large rivers just in the United States, beginning with the mighty Mississippi, which with all of its twists and curves actually stretches for 3,710 miles. One third of all of these rivers and their sources will become so bitterly polluted that drinking the water will produce death. Are we prepared for that day? Are you prepared for that day? The fourth trumpet, verse 12. The fourth angel blew his trumpet. A third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. A third of the moon, sun, and stars will no longer shine in this judgment. I believe, again, this is for a short period of time because eventually we're going to find one of the bold judgments where, whereby the, the sun will actually be increased to such a degree that it will burn those who live in equatorial areas or warmer areas of the, of the world. I believe that this refers to the dimming of the lights by one-third of those celestial lights. Listen to Ezekiel chapter 32, verse 7 and 8. When I blot you out, I will cover the heavens and will make their stars dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud. The moon shall not give its light. All the bright lights of heaven will I make dark over you and put darkness on your land, declares the Lord God. Anybody here ever been to England? Okay, a few of you have. Well, contrary to popular opinion, it does rain a lot in England. And I can remember when we were coming back, when my mom and dad were missionaries over there the first time, and we came back, and we were on the plane, and there was a whole bunch of people in the plane, and my little brother, who's about four years old, stands up, and he says, we come break through the clouds, and there's the sun. There's the sun in all of its glory. And my brother jumps up, as only he could have done, and yells, so that's where you've been for four years. Well, I can tell you that when the sun, moon, and stars are darkened, when this event takes place, again, God will be revealing himself just like he did to the Egyptians, but to the entire world. I not only created these items, I not only created these celestial beings, but 
I also control them. Do you remember what took place with the Lord Jesus Christ? He's asleep in the back of the boat. And the disciples are at the front of the boat and they're rowing for all they're worth and they're scared to death. And, and they said, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? And the Lord Jesus Christ stands up. Now this is with men who have been with the Lord Jesus Christ for three and a half years in his earthly ministry. And he stands up and he simply says, Peace, be still. And what does it say the disciples said to one another? Wow, this is amazing. Even the winds and the waves obey the master. When God pours out this judgment on this earth, the entire world is going to know that it has nothing to do with global warming. It has nothing to do with the UN. It has nothing to do with non-government organizations or government organizations. They are not going to be able to control what God puts in place. And you won't be able to stop it either. It upsets a third of the day and night. With one third less sunlight on the earth, there will be one third less energy available. To be able to support the life systems of man and nature, think of the vast changes in temperatures. Do you remember, for those of you who were here during the last eclipse, remember you had to go just a little bit north? And, and, and what happened during that eclipse? Do you remember what happened to the temperature? It dropped by about 25 degrees, didn't it? These changes, it will affect human health, it will affect food growth, and it is possible that this particular judgment, while it is temporary, for the fourth bold judgment will reverse this, this judgment will bring more death. But we come to our conclusion this morning. We find a dangerous woe in verse 13. Then I looked. I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. At the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Throughout scripture, we do find that there are times when God uses animals or the animal kingdom to be able to relay his message. Do you you remember what happened with Balaam and the donkey? I mean, I'm not sure what's crazier, the fact that the donkey actually talked or that Balaam corresponded with him back and forth several times. But as this eagle flies overhead, he is calling out, woe to the earth dwellers. Woe. Woe, woe to those who live on the earth. There are two Greek words here that describe dwellers on the earth. One means to dwell as a sojourner. This means to settle down, illustrating that those upon whom judgment is about to fall are firmly attached to their world and they prefer it to the throne of God. But they will be damned. Their home is the sinful and fallen earth. Their treasures, their hopes, their dreams, their desires are here. This is why I believe the Lord Jesus Christ reminds his disciples, set your affections not on here, but set them on heavenly things. Store your treasures up in heaven. All of this stuff that we have here, this is all going to fade away one day. 
Paul also tells the believers in the church of Colossae in Colossians chapter 3, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. You know, there's some people and they're not faithful to church. And I believe the reason that some people get to the point where they're not faithful to church, a variety of reasons, but I think it's because instead of focusing and getting their minds fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, they're, they're more concerned about what's going on around them. But I am glad that God is a God of forgiveness. He is a God of love. He is a God of mercy. He is willing to forgive us. And when we have been forgiven, we set those things behind us and we move on, pressing toward the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The ego tells the world three times, woe. You see, the world will get exactly what they want. A stake in the world that is passing away. How sad. How sad that everything that sometimes people can put their trust in and can put their faith in, this is, this is what's most important. If any of you have ever read history, you will know, for example, during the Great Depression in 1929, there were billions of dollars that were lost during that period. But do you know the only people who actually lost money in the stock market were those who sold their stocks. Those who kept them some three or four years later actually had more money than they had at the beginning. And yet, some people held on desperately. You can still go online and, and, and do a Google search on, on people selling things during the Great Depression. I mean, some, some people, there's one guy on there, and I, and I just saw it recently, in fact, this last week, beginning of this last week, and this man is standing on the side, and he's got holes in his clothes, and you could tell at one point that it was probably a very nice-looking suit. He's lost his job, and he's trying to sell a car that today would be worth tens of thousands of dollars, and he's trying to sell it for a dollar. He has nothing left. When the Lord Jesus Christ begins to pour out these judgments, all the things that you have in your bank account aren't going to mean a hill of beans anymore. The first four trumpets, they bring destruction to earth, and through these trumpets, they will bring death to many. I do not rejoice in that. This is not a Baptist doctrine. This is not about Yellowstone Baptist Church. This is about you and I having a right relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why I share. That's why I have passion because I know what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for me and what he has done for many of you. And I know what he will continue to do until the last trump is blown. Yet with all of these woes that are directed at mankind... I want to ask you this morning, how many more warnings must be given that will be ignored? How many more times will you hear the gospel message before you repent? How many more times, believers, will you hear the exhortation in the scriptures? We are talking about orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Or orthodoxy is, is what you believe in, and orthopraxy is how you put it into play. We, we continue to share multiple times and we will continue to do so, Lord, be in our helper. In 2 Peter chapter 1, that the scriptures are good for all that pertains to life and godliness. And, and yet there are some maybe here this morning and you're living Sunday to Sunday and the rest of the week you're still living for yourself. 
I don't say these things because I'm pious and because I've never done that and I'm perfect because I'm not. I'm still a sinner saved by grace. I still lived those lives. I've still done things that were an affront to the Most High God. And yet I know what forgiveness means. Jesus Christ, the Lion of Judah, and the Lamb of God will be glorified. He will be honored through the destruction of the wicked. Every person who rejects Christ will face the same wrath of God the Father. But you don't have to be there. The Bible says, whosoever will may come. Drink of the water of life freely. Call to God for mercy and He will have mercy on you. And then He says this, Whoever comes to me, I will no wise cast out. That's the promise from God's word. That's not a promise Mark Escalera can keep. That's a promise from God. My friends, I pray that if firstly you are an unbeliever this morning, that you will repent before it's too late. And if you are a believer this morning, that you will rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I believe that there are many pastors who, down through the years, fail to teach the entire counsel of God. Maybe they're afraid that that people will be scared of the events that will take place in the future, so they've avoided books like Revelation. And yet Revelation is a wonderful insight into the holiness of God. These judgments that are coming, they're coming because people rejected Jesus Christ. Father, this morning I ask that you would convict hearts, that you would help us who are true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who have placed our faith in you, that we would not be afraid of these events, but that we would be able to rejoice. Rejoice knowing that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Rejoice knowing that there is a home for us in heaven. And again, it has nothing to do with the name on the sign of the church. But because at some point the Holy Spirit came and convicted our hearts of sin, revealed to us our need of a Savior. I pray, Father, if there is anyone here today or anybody that may hear this message online, that if they are without a Savior, that today would be the day of salvation for them. We love you. We are thankful that you are preparing this world and one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. All the old things will pass away and it will be a world in which there will be no more Satan, no more evil, no more wickedness, no more sin. But we will be forever with the Lord Jesus Christ. We look forward to that day with great anticipation as Titus said, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we look forward to that. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said. Amen.